is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review, and welcome to Catholic Review Radio. With us today on the show is Carrie Robinson, President and CEO of Catholic Charities USA. Carrie was the founding executive director of Leadership Roundtable and now serves as a member of its board of trustees. Leadership Roundtable is a really neat organization. It's dedicated to promoting excellence and best practices in the management, finances, and human resources development of the Catholic Church by harnessing the managerial expertise and financial acumen of senior level lay executives. They do great work really helping the church, not with the theology and the sacramentals and all that stuff, but just how do we manage this kind of stuff? So Carrie was really the force behind that, and and we're grateful for the work she did there. Also, as a member of the RAS, Foundation for Catholic Activities and a group known as FATICA, which is the foundations and donors interested in Catholic activities. Carrie's been an advisor to and a trustee of more than 25 grant-making organizations, foundations, charitable nonprofits, family philanthropies. She's been all over the place. Taking that experience and put that into a book, uh, she's the author of the prize-winning book, Imagining Abundance, Fundraising, Philanthropy, and a Spiritual Calls to Service. Welcome to the show, Carrie. It's so good to see you. It is so good to be with you, Chris. Well, you've been immersed in Catholic philanthropic work and leadership for a long time. You know, I just mentioned that as part of your bio. Uh, In succeeding Dominican sister Donna Markham as president of Charities USA, you became the second woman, second lay person to lead the agency. What made you choose to take on this role? Well, I... Honestly, I'm surprised myself, but I regard it as the blessing of my lifetime. And the, everything I have done in service to the church to this point has led me to this point. So it is just a tremendous, tremendous gift in my life to work on behalf of such a life-giving mission with such an extraordinarily talented set of colleagues and of course, to succeed a wonderful, transformative leader, that being Sister Donna Markham. Mm-hmm. Now, since you started in late August of 2023 at Catholic Charities, I know you've made a point to visit a lot of the local diocesan charities agencies. Are there some common issues you see facing those agencies around the country, even if they're in very diverse states? Well, it's a fabulous question. When I first arrived, I kept hearing the refrain, if you have visited one local agency, you have visited one local agency. As you know, there are 168 agencies and there is certainly, um, each one is distinct with its own distinct board, strategic plan, fundraising, efforts and clients who are served. But the first thing that struck me was what they hold in common. And that is this exceptional commitment to upholding human dignity. 
and standing at the vanguard of human suffering, bearing witness to human suffering, and bringing their faith and all at their disposal to alleviate that human suffering. So I see this uh, common language, common faith commitment, common sense of purpose and dedication, and a common grounding in Catholic social teaching. And our own Catholic Charities Agency in Baltimore here uh, actually has as its motto, and really it's driving force, cherishing the divine within. So every person they look at as having divinity within them and doing that. So, and our Catholic Charities uh, marked its 100th anniversary last year. You talked then about that commonality. What are the differences that you see around the country? Well, some of the the differences have to do with the pressing priorities that any one community is confronted with. And that could differ from the particular challenges that presenting clients come with uh, and how the local agency responds to that. It can also be reflected in where a climate-related disaster strikes and what the particular needs in that community are. It is the case that, as you know from a flagship example, like Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, that there are many comprehensive, basic humanitarian offerings that every agency has in common. Close to 50% of all of our clients across the country come to a Catholic Charities Agency because of food insecurity. They are simply hungry and they're looking for a warm meal or food to bring back to their families, to their children. Uh, That seems a fairly universal concern. But it may be that in particular parts of the country, for example, along the southern border, an increasingly um, pressing challenge facing our local agencies at the border are how to provide humanitarian aid, very simple humanitarian aid to the many, many migrants who are admitted by border control and then allowed to enter into the country. They have nowhere to go. They don't speak the language often. They are hungry. They have endured tremendous hardships. And they're looking for just a, a place to sleep, a safe safe space, maybe a um, hot meal and a hot shower. Uh, and that is what our agencies are providing. Mm-hmm. You know, you can start with that sense of food insecurity and give someone a meal, hot meal, provide some food and some resources on on where to shop for that. We know a lot of our folks who are affected by poverty also live in food deserts, so they don't have access to fresh meats, fresh produce in their neighborhood. But we see a lot of Catholic Charities agencies, and I've worked in a number of dioceses over the years, we see them kind of take that and then expand that, go into job programs to help someone get a job so they can do better work, help them find shelter, so that they're not, you know, uh, on the street uh, experiencing homelessness. And eventually that really expands to senior housing for elderly poor who need a place to stay. Uh, from your perspective, where does Catholic Charities excel 
especially in filling the gaps where government programs fall short. So, Chris, you have stated it so beautifully. That is the unique contribution of Catholic charities, in in my view. Whatever the presenting problem is, let's say it is simple hunger, It because of the merciful way that Catholic charities staff and volunteers offer support, it implies a ministry of presence. So there is deep listening that that takes place and food insecurity can often be the gateway to an array of other services because we're always looking at the whole person uh, and that is how human dignity is is beheld and defended and supported. So in caring for the whole person, that almost always extends to that person in relationship to a family. And it's not just hunger that that person needs. It's often uh, an array of other services. It could be help with addiction. Uh, It could be training so that they could have uh, job opportunities and earn a, a better income. It could be help with with child care, any number of things, um, because poverty is a terrible burden and with it comes often an array of challenges. But at Catholic Charities, they the whole person is attended to in all of his or her particular needs in that moment. And, you know, ultimately we are, we are trying to restore dignity and lift people out of poverty altogether. Mm -hmm. A lot of times that food program really opens the door to the rest of that ministry, right? Absolutely. We're talking with Carrie Robinson of Catholic Charities USA. Uh, Carrie, how does Catholic Charities, you know, both at the USA level, but also in the local levels, respond to both ongoing needs, like we're talking about poverty, addiction, all of those things, and then disasters, because you help with that too. So uh, I know there's there are disaster response vehicles at several sites around the country that regions share, but how do you do both those things well? Well, so Catholic Charities USA is the domestic disaster relief agency of the Catholic Church. And particularly since Hurricane Katrina, there has been a great investment on the part of Catholic Charities USA in this disaster preparedness work. So we can't ignore our regular daily offerings of feeding hungry people, providing safe housing for those who are without homes, job training, the list of ways that for 115 years we have been serving people in need. But on top of that, we see this just explosion of climate-related disasters, 70 last year alone. Oh, my gosh. And they're unpredictable, of course, by, by by the very nature. So we have invested in preparing staff across the country to respond with alacrity and with the same sense of dignity and mercy and um, efficiency that we are known for. 
uh, under Kim Burgo, our head of disaster operations here at Catholic Charities USA. It is just extraordinary what has happened. Uh, and one of the advantages of the model of the Catholic Charities Network is we are structured across the country and in the five U.S. territories. And when a disaster happens, we put out a call to neighboring agencies who can deploy, who can often deploy their staff who have gone through our regular training. There's no better way to prepare than when you are actively assisting a neighboring diocese uh, or community that is experiencing a disaster. And I, I think one of the beauties of, of the Catholic Charities Network is that we are this extended family, always in service, where we are needed the most to, to minister to people who are experiencing the worst days of their lives. Mm -hmm. When I worked in Florida, they had a such a you know a disaster response truck, and if a hurricane was on its way, depending on where it was where it was aimed, they would move the truck out of that area just so that it didn't get hit itself to be wow. perched and ready to go in as soon as as soon as the hurricane had passed. And that kind of coordination between the seven Catholic charities agencies in the state of Florida was the kind of thing that you're talking about. Yes. And Chris, you know, another thing that is really uh, that that just in my first five months here, I've come to appreciate is when it's clear that a disaster is is a very consequential, large disaster, a calamity, we can immediately like within an hour create our own communications campaign and and URL to raise money from people of goodwill all over the country. And um, we are able to give that money that is raised, 100% of it, 100% of that money that is raised immediately to the agencies that are impacted. And we can do that within days. So I, I love that the speed of it, the efficiency of it, obviously the local agency is responding in real time to the disaster. They can't be bothered with raising money and communicating about it. We can do that for them. I think it was my third day on the job here uh, after the Maui fires mm. had so devastated uh, Hawaii. And we were able to send a million dollars within my third day of being on the, on the job. Wow. So this is another advantage of the Catholic Charities family and network that we put to really good use. That's great. So after the break, we're going to talk a little bit more with Carrie Robinson of Catholic Charities USA about a lot more of what Catholic Charities agencies around the country are doing. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio. Archbishop. 
Bishop William E. Laurie celebrates Holy Mass at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception and honors the Little Sisters of the Poor at Guadalupe Radio Network's Fishers of Men Benefit Dinner, April 27th. Radio host Debbie Giorgiani keynotes the evening at Catholic University of America. The Little Sisters' tireless work with the elderly, heroic witness to women discerning vocations and standing up for religious freedom are why they're being recognized. At grnonline.com, learn more. Catholic Review Media is a proud sponsor of Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Students at the Catholic High School of Baltimore interested in pursuing a biomedical career are taking advantage of a unique opportunity thanks to a new partnership with LifeBridge Health. Rising seniors in Catholic High's biomed concentration can now shadow nurse practitioners, physician assistants, and radiographers at LifeBridge's Express Care Urgent Care Centers to gain in-person experience before college. The first group of seven students participated last summer at locations around Anne Arundel, Baltimore, Carroll, and Harford counties. Catholic High plans to offer the program to biomed seniors year-round. They are supported at the school by Dr. Celia Caballero, a Cuban-trained pathologist who coordinates the biomedical concentration in the team's STEM, Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math program, and teaches several classes. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. Feeling sad, disappointed, or ashamed of oneself sometimes is normal and can even lead to conversion, but when people wallow in their sadness, it becomes a dangerous vice, Pope Francis said. We all go through ordeals that generate sorrow in us because life makes us formulate dreams that are then shattered, the Pope said during his weekly general audience February 7th. While some people, after a time of turmoil, rely on hope, others wallow in melancholy, the Pope said, allowing it to fester in their hearts. When sadness is the pleasure of non-pleasure, he said, it goes from being a natural emotion to being an evil state of mind. For more on this and other stories, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm George Matisek. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. We're back on Catholic Review Radio, talking with Carrie Robinson, President and CEO of Catholic Charities USA. Carrie, as the leader of Catholic Charities, you sometimes get involved not only in the direct aid kind of things, but also really working for changes in public policy uh, that will help lift people out of poverty and, and kind of get them on a on a place where they need to be. How does that work for systemic change? And you know, one of the things I know you've been working on lately is the expanded child tax credit. Is that just one example of the way the Catholic Church is weighing in on these kinds of issues? Yeah, I think it's really helpful for for Catholics and people of goodwill to understand that charity and justice are inextricably linked, that we are called to respond to the suffering of people immediately in our midst, but to also ask the question, why this suffering in the first place? And what can we do to ensure that there are humane just structures in place that contribute to the full flourishing of human life. And I have really admired how Catholic charities at the local and national level, and frankly, throughout the entire Caritas Internationalis 
uh, ecosystem holds both of those as valuable and, and inextricably linked goals. So the child tax credit, a wonderful example that lifted so many children overnight out of poverty. That is I'm something I think that all Catholics across the political spectrum and all people of goodwill should be able to prioritize. And um, we we would certainly be educating our members about the the value of policies like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've often heard the saying that the church doesn't help people because they are Catholic, but because we are Catholic. I mean, it's almost become a cliche at that point <laughs> to talk about, you know, the people that we help regardless of their religious affiliation. Uh, but what's really at the heart of the mission of Catholic charitable ministries and their consistent presence over the decades? I think it is that Imago Dei, that every person is created in the image and likeness of God. And no one can be excluded from our concern for human dignity. No one is excluded. So the, you know, the only thing that our clients have in common is that they are a member of the human family and they are in need. And they, they are yearning for some basic relief from their suffering, and they know that they can find it at Catholic Charities. And it's, Chris, it's not just what we do, it's the merciful way in which it is done that I think really is unique about Catholic Charities. I, um, I see it again and again. It's it's a ministry of presence where if you come to me and you're hungry, I will feed you, but I will also attend to your spirit. I will try to listen to your story. I will try to really see you as the person stamped with the image of God and do what I can to attend to you as a full person in all of your needs. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking a little bit before the break about systemic pervasive issues that don't seem to go away, such as poverty, homelessness. But another one of those issues is something that's been with us for a long, long time, and that's the situation at the southern U.S. border. What are Catholic Charities agencies doing along the border to meet the needs of people? Practically everything they can. I My very first visit to a local agency was to Laredo, Texas. Mm-hmm. And I cannot tell you how formative it was for me in this role to make that visit. I met with the director of Catholic Charities of Laredo, and then she in turn introduced me to about 25 members of the Border Patrol and ICE agents and local police. The partnership between Border Patrol and local Catholic charities agencies at the southern border is absolutely essential. And I don't think most people in this kind of dichotomized world of ours and this polarized world of ours understand how integral that relationship is. Border border Patrol agents, the chief said to me, 
We don't know how we could do our job without knowing that Catholic Charities is a partner to us. So once they do their their job of vetting people who are seeking asylum and determine that the person deserves to come into the country, it's at that point that they they have nowhere to go. But Border Patrol knows that they have an ally to provide just that simple first meal, a, a safe place to sleep, and uh, can assist the person to get to where they are required to go to abide by our immigration laws and policies. Mm-hmm. You have talked, you have spent most of your life in philanthropy and in, in giving, giving stuff away. As we go into the Lenten season, we often look at those three pillars of sacrifice, prayer, fasting, almsgiving. Uh, How do those relate to the work that Catholic Charities do and how can Catholics help? I guess the question I want to ask is, how can Catholics live generously? Oh, you asked my favorite question without knowing it. I truly believe that generosity is humankind's birthright, that we are all called to be generous and to serve as catalysts to inspire generosity in others. And as Christians, as Catholics, we are particularly called to that as a vocation. And everyone has something to give. Too often we think of it only in terms of finances. But really, we could all be more generous. We could be generous with our time. We could be generous by extending the benefit of the doubt, by presuming goodness in one another. We could be generous by volunteering to help a neighbor in need. Uh, Of course, I want to encourage your listeners to be generous to their local Catholic charities or to volunteer at a a soup kitchen or a food bank. There's so many ways to be generous. And I think Lent is the perfect season to enter into that with a deeper intentionality and commitment. We appreciate that. We have been talking today with Carrie Robinson, president and CEO of Catholic Charities USA, talking about giving and gifts and dignity of, of humans I and mean, all good stuff that's that you have been a part of and that Catholic Charities has been a part of for a long time, even before you joined the agency. Thank you so much for being with us today, Carrie. It has been an absolute privilege and joy. Thank you for your show and for having me on. Thanks. This is Christopher Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Review Radio. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. 
As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.